your day job is not separate from your acting job if you will choose for that to be the case. And I, it's hard, I know. And you're going, you don't understand how difficult my life is and how much my day job sucks. And I'm going, yes, I do. And it doesn't matter because it's in those difficult places that we find who we are. Listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm your co-host AJ Meyer, and I'm Trevor Algott, and that was an awesome intro, AJ. Oh, uh, thanks. I'm feeling it, man. I'm feeling can, it. I'm excited. I could feel it. I could feel you feel it. Uh, and coming up in episode 224, I sit down for the conclusion of my three-part chat with actor Ben Mathis, in which we chat about turning the axle. Pretty uh, deep stuff. Social media's current role in casting and why at the end of the day it really just doesn't matter, honestly. Uh, The two most important questions to ask ourselves as artistic entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs and how and why this isn't really a relationship business after all. It's a wisdom business. Oh yes. Stay tuned for that and so much more coming up in episode 224. Support for this episode of Inside Acting comes from VO2GoGo.com, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years running. Visit VO2GoGo.com slash start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that'll help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO2GoGo.com slash start. everybody welcome to episode 224 hey jay what's going on my brother wow 224 that number it just keeps going up right it's not going to go back down uh, uh unless I, we forget how to count or something I hope yeah let's hope not <laughs> <laughs> so a uh, quick top of show announcement i just kind of wanted to give a little shout out here to the iap book club what what we uh, are reading a book Every month in 2016 in the membership and just sharing takeaways, insights, ways that we can apply the information that we're learning to our careers. The first book for January was The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. And that book was all about how it's the little repeated super mundane actions that we take every day add up to create our lives. And the book for February builds on that. It's called Jack Canfield's Key to Living the Law of Attraction. I thought it was very fitting given our conversation um, last episode from Chris's Mm. question. So uh, if you have not picked up the book, check it out. We have an Amazon link on our website. There's also an, a link in the membership. It's a short book. It's like 130 pages, and it's super actionable and inspiring and, and direct. There's like no fluff in it. It's like, yes, positive thinking is a big part of it, but there's more to it. And here are the things you actually need to do to, to activate this law of attraction in your life. So I uh, hope to see many, many, many members um, creating amazing results in their lives using the things that they've learned uh, last month with The Slight Edge and this month with Jack Canfield's Key to Living the Law of Attraction and more and more to come. So what is going on in your in your career, your life, your world this week? Um, you know, not, not, not a whole lot uh, career-wise, not a whole lot. Uh, there may be uh, Maybe some movement at the station for pilot season. But did I talk about that last week, about how I started going back to Howie's class? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, there's that. But uh, the other thing is I just feel like things are getting a little maybe too philosophical around here. And by around here, I mean in my brain. (laughs) Uh, Oh, do tell. I love it. Love it, love it. I mean, I I put it in the outline. I literally just wrote, early 30s are no joke, exclamation point, hashtag transition. There, there's just a lot, just a lot going on brain-wise, you know. I feel like 
a lot happens in in your 30s you recognize what you created and what you discovered about yourself in your 20s and then you also begin to learn that i don't know maybe it's not possible to do everything what? like what yeah like you what? know like there's a limited amount of time and 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 in in terms of this plane of existence I don't care what the universe has to say, but hashtag victim story, man. <clears throat> wow, wow, you're not gonna. Okay, all right. I see how it is. Uh, uh, yeah. No, so, I'm with you. Anyway, just uh, you know, this is a lot. It's you know, it's uh, in the brain box. A lot going mm. on. That's all. You know, um, when, when I was uh, when I was in my 20s. Yeah, um, here it comes. I you know, I remember I had a my friend Nicole. Um, who's just awesome. She was, she's, I don't know, seven or eight years older than me. And she was in her mid thirties. She was actually about my age when I met her. Um, I'm 34 right now. And she said, I remember her telling me like, dude, your thirties are great. Like I wouldn't trade them for anything. Like it's, it's none of the confusion and doubts. Well, not none, but you know, a lot less of the confusion and doubt that you have in your twenties. But you're still young enough to hang with the kids in your 30s, and uh, and you just kind of know more about what you want. Things are calmer. You're not sort of like, you know, shiny object squirrel about everything. You're not so, like, um, concerned with what people think about you. And also, you have these sort of sobering realizations that you the, the fantasies and the goals and the visions you had in your 20s, not all of them, like you just said, AJ, are are realistic and that's not to have a a limiting conversation with yourself about it but it's to say you know like you know i choices have to be made at some point yeah everybody has the same 24 hours in a day seven days in a week and it's just a matter of willpower and energy you're i think you're just a few years behind me i think are you Mm -hmm. 31 yes 31 so Very here's a question. Good. The day I turned 30, and I'm curious if you had the same experience, the day, like the day I turned 30, I woke up that morning and it was like a switch had flipped in my brain. And I thought, time to get my shit together. <laughs> no more dicking around. Time to start thinking about 401ks and savings and investments and real estate and family and career and all that stuff became really real for me. I'm curious uh, if you've had the same experience. Mm, not exactly <laughs> no I mean <laughs> what's funny is I was thinking about the day I turned 30 and uh, <clears throat> the Kings were about to become the fourth team uh, in the history of the NHL to come back from a three game deficit in a seven game series to win game seven against the San Jose Sharks on their way to their second Stanley Cup but um, <laughs> details so I was, I was a little bit distracted Trevor I no, I didn't. It wasn't about that. It wasn't about hmm, it wasn't about the future necessarily, but about like a recognition of what I had and had not created so far, hmm. I guess. And then what's happening now is the the it, it, I'm back. I'm I'm back in a state of questioning of being in the question of like, all right, well, what, where, where should I be putting my focus, or how did I create the results that I've created, and what's next, and. <clears throat> you know, all of that. It's funny because, you know, we, what we try to do on the podcast in terms of providing value is like, okay, well, here's the uh, big takeaway or the lesson or the homework or the something. I have nothing. I have nothing right now. I have zero. I have a lot of conversation, including, uh, you know, a, a couple of hours on the phone with Gadali, our marketing web director, just like, uh, you know, hashing things out and stuff. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> once again, no answers whatsoever, but maybe they're forthcoming. I think that's actually, you know, that's, that's one of the great things about getting older is that you just like, that's okay. And I think that there are a lot of things in life that we'll never really have the answers to. And, and really in the end, the answer isn't the answer. It's more like how we handle the questions. Uh, I'm with you, man. I guess I'm, what I'm saying is I'm with you 100%. And um, that's like the next level, I feel like, for what I know of, of you and I. I think it's like the next level for us is just kind of being at peace with the unknown. Mm. That's, a, that's a practice and a skill, but uh, I think that's where where the next level is. I, I can't articulate it any better than that.
So there's something I wanted to uh, chat about just for a few minutes on this episode, and I think this is actually kind of timely given um, what you just shared, AJ. I want to talk about walking the line between activism and career. Because one of the things I started to realize in my 30s, uh, my early 30s, and definitely through till today, um, I will be 35 in a few months. And, uh, you know, things kind of shift perspective and and priorities shift around. And um, what's becoming increasingly important to me is is, um, taking responsibility for the world we're in. I, I, for better or worse, I have a habit of sort of like heaping the weight of the world's problems on my shoulders sometimes and, and very specific problems like the refugee crisis, like sure. But like with me specifically, it's, it's climate change and animal agriculture and abuse and the, the cultural mythology we have around, you know, our relationship as human beings to the, to the rest of the family of life that we share this planet with. And uh, I feel really strongly about this stuff. And, uh, you know, I went to the climate reality leadership training back in September and I've been doing a lot of additional research and learning and just immersing myself in this stuff. And all roads point back to um, animal agriculture and not necessarily the practice of, you know, factory farming, but the idea that we have about the planet being here for us to conquer and rule as human beings. Just this belief we have that like we are this separate creature that is somehow exempt from, you know, a few natural laws and that like all of this is ours. It's here for us, the cows, the rainforests, the oceans, whatever. It's all ours and we can kind of do with it what we please. And, you know, there's a growing movement of people that are saying like, uh, no, guys, you're kind of digging your own grave. But there's also a lot of people that just could not give a fuck and and don't care. And it's it's distressing to me. And every time I see a video of of, you know, uh, of, of animal abuse, um, especially in factory farms, you know, like that behind the scenes footage that's just, you know, in a lot of corners of the internet. And, um, it just, it breaks my heart to a million pieces every time. And I just want to cry and often do cry when I see this. I, I can't, I can't live without doing something about that. So all this is to say, I, I feel like I'm coming to this sort of interesting place in my life where, um, I want to continue a creative career, but as an unknown commodity in the entertainment industry, as an unknown, relatively unknown artist, there's, I think, a, a line that we get to walk. If we feel strongly about a social cause or a cultural issue, there's a line we have to walk between that and our acting careers. And we don't want to mix the two. And there's a link on our website in the show notes that that lays out, I think, a, a very solid argument for blurring the lines between activism and career that David H. Lawrence's 17th wrote. It's on the VOtogogo.com website, and it's called Separating Your Career from Your Causes. And in that article, he, he basically argues it, you can have these causes. You can have these things that you're passionately committed to, but they, the, the information and the uh, outspokenness of them does not have a place on your acting website or your career website. Maybe if you must on your Twitter, on your Facebook, on your LinkedIn, on your Instagram, if you must. But but the, the, the idea is that like if the more that you sort of share this passionate thing you have, the more inclined casting directors and producers are going to be... Uh, to are going to the more inclined they're going to be to to say we'll pass on this person because they could be a whacker they could be the person at craft services complaining about the plastic forks they could be I don't know maybe they're just one of those nutty activist types that's that's going to like cause a ruckus I I, th- I think it's an important point and I guess I just wanted to bring it up and, and get your thoughts AJ because I'm not quite a hundred percent certain how to proceed. Hmm. That was a lot of me talking, but thank you for listening. <laughs> We're still here. I'm still here. Everything's good. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I, I, I just read the article or the blog post uh, at your behest, of course. And, you know, I, I get it. I understand where um, David is coming from. And it also makes me wonder. So I get the idea of not putting it on the website. I understand the idea of 
not <clears throat> wanting to mix messages. You know, some people talk about like, well, what if you, you know, diluting the waters, uh, so to speak. Mm. We yeah, like a, like uh, muddying your brand a little bit. Yeah, we have a lot of people come on the show that are multi-hyphenates, and there was a time when when that was like, you know, um, not taboo, but it was like, oh, you're not an actor, you're you're all of these other things. And now nowadays, it's you know, people want that, and I understand the perspective of oh, maybe it's yeah, like you said, muddying the water or muddying muddying the brand a bit. Um, I also understand that we're all authentic human beings with beliefs and and we you know feel passionately about certain causes and there are a ton of successful actors out there who are the same you know passionate about a cause who who are extremely outspoken about said cause and they continue to work and continue to be successful they're are even actors out there that I know who people don't even necessarily talk about the work that they do, despite the fact that they're passionate and outspoken about it. It doesn't really come up when it comes to their acting career. And so there is the ability for people to separate. And I think maybe what David might be talking about is people who are, like you said, Trevor, um, unknowns, like an unknown commodity. It's like if I don't know this person and my first experience of them is like all this stuff that's not necessarily acting related. Here's another great example. Like let's let's leave politics and um, activism aside. What if, you know, I went to your acting website, Trevor, or someone else's acting website and you had a bunch of like stuff on there about Beachbody or I went to someone's, uh, you know, acting website and I found a bunch of stuff about herbal life. Those products are fantastic. I also know that that there are a lot of uh, people out there who are turned off by multi-level marketing companies, despite how fantastic the product you know actually is. And so, you know, if I'm a casting director, a producer, a director, I might be like David Inch Lawrence says, turned off by that being the thing that I'm greeted with next to your headshot and resume. So, <clears throat> I understand both sides. What I would hate for anyone to do, especially with the only microphone that a lot of us have these days being that being uh, social media, is I would hate for anyone to not be their authentic self. Mm. So we talk about on the podcast being a good person, being an authentic person, being uh, the, the type of person that is enrolling. And you can't really be enrolling if you are shoving stuff down somebody's throat in a way that makes them feel wrong or judged. Mm-hmm. You do a really great job, Trevor, speaking of your environmental activism, you do a really great job of presenting the facts, presenting the the, the things that are happening out there and how they're affecting life on the planet and humanity. And you do it in such a way that is empowering. You often talk from a point of view of solutions as opposed to the person who just constantly rails against something like against the Republican party or against the Mm, Democratic party. There's a, there's a difference. There's no, there's no, that's not helpful. There's no, there's no, there's no forward movement in that. There's no solution in that. And it, and it does make you feel like, okay, this person's going to be one of those complainy people on set (laughs) Mm -hmm. because all they're doing is complaining about X, Y, and Z. So, you know, I think that there's a place for it. Uh, I would agree with David H. Lawrence, the 17th, that it's maybe not your actor website, but where I would disagree is I wouldn't want anyone to completely silence themselves because your authenticity is what lends itself to your brand. So if someone went to my Twitter account and found all these posts about the LA Kings and were like, Oh, this guy's, you know, not an actor. All he does is post about hockey. (laughs) You know, I would be like, maybe I don't want to work with that person. It's like, okay, great. Like you go be whatever you're like, that's fine. Go away. You know, I'm not going to hire him. I'm a Rangers fan. It's like, I, okay, I don't go away. Like, I don't care to work with you. Doubly go away now. (laughs) Doubly go away. Yeah. Not only are you not a, you know, 
so uh, anyway, uh, mm. that's 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 my piece. Thank you for that. And thank you for the feedback. I made a very conscious choice to and I still I make an effort to only focus on the positive aspects of the environmental stuff. And I think what prompted this conversation or me wanting to bring this up and and thank you for that. That was a really comprehensive response. And I have a a small solution that may have come to mind that I want to share in just a minute. I think it's good that, yeah, it, it shouldn't necessarily live on an acting website. Maybe there's a link or something to like, oh, to learn more about you know, the work I do with such and such, you know, check this out. But what prompted me um, to sort of bring up this conversation was uh, this guy that I I was just kind of, I watched Raising Extinction last night. I watched the documentary uh, and it was uh, troubling and beautiful and um, insightful and mind expanding and all these mix of, you know, this mix of emotion. And uh, I kind of was clicking around online and I found, uh, you know, links to, various people who are you know engaged in various aspects of environmental activism and i kind of followed links to this guy um his name is dom dominic thompson and he's like got a massive instagram following and he's just like exceptionally good looking dude who's like super ripped he's like a triathlete and stuff and he's a he's a vegan he's like a mostly raw vegan athlete and I am all about like, hey, let's show people that you can thrive on a plant-based diet. But every so often in the Instagram feed, he posts like awful videos of like just the most unspeakable animal cruelty. And, you know, it's always, you know, the, the caption underneath the photo is like, like, look, I don't like looking at this stuff either, but it's the kind of thing that we need to see. You know, join me in going on a plant-based diet. I promise you'll 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 be healthy. You'll be uh, contributing to a world in which this thing is increasingly unlikely to occur, and you know, be part of the solution and stuff like that. And I, I was actually, I had to stop for a minute because I was most moved to action by those videos because hmm. I had such a visceral emotional response. <clears throat> yeah. And yet I, and then I kind of took a moment. I was like, well. I don't want to put that into people's worlds if if they're not asking for it. But then I'm like, well, but if like, you know, I have friends, for instance, who are like, they just don't want to think about that stuff. Like they just want to kind of eat their bacon and and bliss. And I'm not judging them. I am not judging them. Everybody's on their own journey. But sometimes I wonder, like, will they ever seek this information out if somebody doesn't kind of help to put it in front of them? And I'm not out to convert people, but at the same time, I kind of am because I can't stand this reality and I want to do something about it. So um, that, that that's coming up for me. And I guess in the in the context of this discussion, the solution that kind of came to my mind as I was listening to you speak was, OK, you know, this this kind of thing doesn't live on my actor website. But what's stopping me from having a separate YouTube channel or a separate blog or something where I could just be that guy like unabashedly unashamedly and just say hey i'm also an actor <laughs> you know here check out my acting yeah. site and then on my acting site maybe like oh hey if you want to learn more about my animal activism or whatever it is uh you know click on this link and, and check out the blog or something or check out my youtube channel or, or something like that yeah and like i said i can't help but think about all of those um <clears throat> super famous super uh, successful actors who are doing just that yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I, I think, but I, I, I often wonder then too, like what came first, you know, the activism or the stardom, you know, like I, I, I it just, it's something to think about. I think it's like Leonardo DiCaprio. I love the man, respect the hell out of him. I think what he's doing for the environment's incredible. Um, but I, I wonder if he had been that much of an activist first, would his acting career have played out the same way? Same thing with Mark Ruffalo. Same thing with Alicia Silverstone. Mm. Um, if they had been those things first, would they have had the career that they've had? It's just something to think about. And I, I wanted to bring this up and, and, of course, get your thoughts. Thank you again. and But also solicit our, our listeners' thoughts because I know I'm not the only one dealing with this. We, you know, we're working in Hollywood, the most liberal, forward-thinking, progressive you know, subculture in the world where pretty much everybody is a very sensitive um, uh, and uh, expressive human being that wants to create a better world. And so it's like when it comes down to brass tacks and people are dying and there's misery in the world, at some point, if you want to make a difference, you've got to go direct. And I'm just wondering where that lives for people in different parts of their career. But I think we, I think we've, I think we've hit on some solutions or next steps. 
Yeah, well, and also, and it also makes me because of this interview series, Ben talks about the fact that this what we're doing is a service. Yeah, yeah. I would not have been able to continue this career as a career if I didn't believe that were to be true. Hmm. Like yeah. I, I, I remember when I was younger feeling that way, feeling that exact sense of like, what am I doing? What am I like, what am I really doing? Like I go, I go on stage, I do a thing and people might applaud. (laughs) And then I get all the quote unquote, like glory, like, uh, okay, great. What is that? What is that about? Is it, is it worth something to humanity? Like, does it actually make a difference? You know, all those questions that, you know, as artists and especially as actors, we, we tend to ask ourselves. And so I, I had to answer that in the affirmative or I would never have been able to continue yeah. to, to do this. I wouldn't have been able to do it. Like I would have been like, no, it's like, it's, it's not, I'm not actually, you know, making a difference in the lives of other human beings. And I would have had to stop and do something else. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, this actually, um, I'm so glad you said that because I've had that same exact thought so many times, but this actually ties into a really great question and we only have like a a minute to respond to this, but it's just too perfect. So I have to bring it up now. Um, uh, longtime listener and supporter Annie wrote into us and essentially asked us, uh, well, she said she's always fantasized about specific movies that she would want to be involved with, the plot, who'd be in them, and, you know, the kind of roles that she'd, she'd play. And she wanted to know for us, what are the roles in the movies that we imagine ourselves, you know, winning Oscars for, for instance, when we're, when we're laying in bed at night? Uh, and this is perfect because, you know what my initial response to this was? Was I want to play a role where I'm a... I'm a, you know, a guy in a spacesuit on a different planet with a gun, like shooting aliens. Like that's like my dream role is to be in like a sci-fi movie, like a space thing. Uh, and then I thought, well, how does that, how does that help, you know, the pigs and the cows of the, of the factory farm uh, system? I was wondering how you were going to tie this in. I'm like, cause I, I knew what the question was obviously because we have it in the outline and you started talking about it and I was like, wait, how does this tie in? But now I get it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that, that obviously would be the ideal that you just hit a, a level uh, where people are just want to listen to you and they want to know more about what you care about. And, and then just sort of by default, they end up giving it more weight than they might have otherwise because of, of your accomplishments and who you are and, and the sort of place you hold in our culture. Right. And our, and our stand is, of course, once you get there, you're actually a good person and you're not using right. your powers for evil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Thank you for clarifying that. Um, we've got, we've got about uh, just a few seconds here, but what, uh, what, what roles or movies do you imagine yourself in winning Oscars um, for? Uh, I, I, I don't know. My, my interests in my career, in my, um, like, you know, film roles and that kind of thing is, is so varied because my interests are varied like my personal interests. So, um, what I mean by that is I, I, I love to sing and I do musical theater. So I've, I've thought about how cool it would be to, for instance, to have been in, um, you know, that film version of say Les Miserables or something, or, you know, something like that, like a film or a movie musical. Um, but then I, yeah, I also have, you know, visions of being in a, a, a sci-fi film or an action film like you do Trevor or, I guess to be more specific, a draw, I think I'm drawn to dramas. Hmm. I think I'm, I'm drawn to just that kind of storytelling. Um, yeah. Anyway. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I, I do want to invite listeners to, uh, uh, thank you, by the way, I, I don't mean to just move on so quickly, but I, I do want to invite listeners just on this, uh, note, just cause I'm thinking of it now to go back and listen to, um, Dennis Henley's Dennis Henry Henley's interview series because he is a an activist filmmaker and he brought up a lot of good points and and one thing that that's coming to me right now as we're talking about this and and I'm listening to you speak AJ is he said you know like we I remember we asked him like don't you feel like sometimes you're just kind of preaching to the choir with your films like who that is you know has who who's going to watch a film about animal activism that has no interest at all in animal activism and he said you know the choir needs to hear somebody so activate the choir 
Mm, yeah, I, I, I remember never, that. I, I, that was like that really stuck out to me. And so that might be a good companion uh, interview series to listen to um, mm. after this episode. I don't, yeah. I don't recall the episode numbers off the top of my head, but you can search for it on our site and in our yeah. feed, where all the episodes are now in our feed. <laughs> yes, they are. Uh, so, um, okay, cool. Thank you, Annie, for the question. Um, thank you, AJ, for for chatting about this um, and sharing so candidly uh, your thoughts. That, I kind of came to this discussion looking for some sort of guidance, and I definitely feel like I got it. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a big one, and it's 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 not it's not it's you know there's it's definitely challenging. Yeah, it, it is, and I, I'm I, I'm just I'm kind of at a breaking point with what I've with I just want to like I want to do something, and I want to do more than just go to reality training. I, you know, I want to obviously give these presentations that I can now give. But I also want to like just build a platform based on this because it's it's so important to me. If my life was about nothing else, then um, <clears throat> some of these things that would be fine at this point in my life. Like I just I want to you know create less suffering in the world, more peace. Yes. And without further ado, here is part three of uh, of our chat with actor Ben Mathis. We're sad to be saying goodbye, but so grateful for the wisdom bombs. We'll see you guys on the other side. told to me once and it just changed everything that I was you know when I was going through a very very dark time in my life I was I was teaching I was acting I was uh, coaching and I work in with executives and stuff regularly and I was also um oh gosh there was something else I was doing I was writing and stuff and so I had these four things I was trying to do you know, I haven't even talked about relationships and everything else that makes a life, right? I was just trying to be a great teacher. I was trying to be a great actor. I was trying to be a great coach. And I was trying to spin all four of these wheels separately. And people were like, no, you have to choose one thing and just do one thing well. And I was like, yeah, I get that, but I can't. I'm going to do this well. And I discovered that when I spun the acting thing at 100%, the, the teaching thing went down to 25 and the coaching thing went down to 15 because I could only give my energy to one place. I'm trying to spin all these wheels. And I was talking with a mentor of mine and he said, don't spin the wheels, turn the axle. And the axle will spin the Ooh. wheels. And I went, oh, I get it. And that set me on a totally different, totally different path. That was, that, I remember where I was. I was sitting in my car alone at night and I, 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 I really do think I had like cried my last you get to that place where it's like you have a splitting headache because of the turmoil inside is creating this stuff and I called him and I'm at the bottom and and we just started talking and he said that to me and I went oh my gosh so I have and I realized my whole life since I was a fairy in a Midsummer Night's Dream has been in pursuit of what the axle is not on how do I turn the wheels hmm. And as soon as I started spinning that axle, which for me is, is service to others, and, and that's, that's where my axle is, as soon as I started spinning that axle, I started booking work as an actor. You know, I, I started, my, my studio grew. I wrote two books on the process and how it works. And I've just, my, I'm in a relationship right now, which is just incredible because I have a, a whole new appreciation for love and for life and what it means to be in that space. And now I understand how it all pertains. So I'm talking to you if you're waiting tables. I'm saying the better you take care of the people you're waiting on, the better actor you're becoming mm. because it's the same axle it's the same muscle so your day job is not separate from your acting job if you will choose for that to be the case and I, it's hard i know and you're going you don't understand how difficult my life is and how much my day job sucks and i'm going yes i do and it doesn't matter hmm. because 
It's in those difficult places that we find who we are and how deep we're willing to go. And so when you're, you've got that customer yelling at you and you are listening and responding and in communion with them, if you can do it with them, you can do it on stage. If you can do it with them, you can be present in that agent thing where you got nervous and you have no idea what you said. When you can do it with them, you can be there for the people in your life, which helps you be there for the actors on stage. It's just it, you're turning the axle. Then the wheels turn. Yeah. So yeah. I am doing one thing. And it's manifesting in different spaces, but I'm doing one thing. Mm. And good Lord, it made everything so much simpler. We, we say this a lot on the show, uh, that how you do one thing is how you do everything. Pretty much all the yeah, time. all the like, time. It's like you can't like half-ass it in one area of your life and then give it 100% somewhere it's else. totally because, naive. Yeah. I, I'm curious, though, just hearing, the, and I'm, I'm so on board with this. I love the spin the axle, not the wheels. That's, yeah. a, that's a paradigm shift for me. But there's a lot of talk about, and I'm just, I don't know why this popped into my head, but there's a lot of talk about branding these days. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, what's your type? Making sure you're branding yourself appropriately on social media and so on and so forth. How does that figure into this sort of philosophy or this approach that you've... Yeah. I, I, I met someone recently, um, a very talented actor who was passed over on a job and she was told by her agents that the producers passed her over because she didn't have the social media following that everybody else had. It broke my heart, but what broke my heart more was that she believed him. That's what broke my heart, actually. And as a producer, I've been in those conversations and I understand, I do. I understand the value, the perceived value of, hey, we cast this person, we will get their following. I, I've been in those conversations And the truth is, while I I don't want to deny the fact that there are producers who may or may not base their decision making on that, I will, I would put money down that that is not going to be the lasting trend. Mm -hmm. Once they discover, we can hire this actor with a million followers, or we can hire the person who's actually great, because at the end of the day, and there's people who will disagree with me, good art is what sells. And if good art doesn't sell, because sometimes it doesn't, there's great movies nobody's heard of, but good art creates the foundation that leads to the thing that will sell. At the Mm -hmm. end of the day, if you can't go to sleep knowing you were operating in your integrity, either as a producer or as an actor or as an artist, I made a movie, it didn't do well, but I gave everything I had to it, then what I've learned are the things that will make it so that I can make the next one. And if we start falling for what I believe, frankly, are... I I just think it's lies. And I'm not saying people don't base decisions on that. And I know that's what's being told to everybody. But my God, if we followed everything that was told to us, that's part of the problem. That's, That's how we've created desperate actors. That's how we've taken power away from the actors. That's how the producer can always stay above the actor. I promise you, yeah. you walk into that room, and as a producer who's been on the front lines of deciding who gets cast, as that producer, I will tell you, you walk in the room and you you kill it and you've got no social media, and someone walks in the room and they're a disaster, but they've got social media, I promise you, you're in a better place. You, you, and if the producers go with the other one and their movie fails, okay, how, how you know, they're going to have to learn because producers are thick-headed. Producers, right. just like actors, will follow the shiny objects. And I, I'll tell it to them straight to their face. This world is made of executives who... Very, who create very little, who respond to very much. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and so they are just responding. That is all they're doing. You, the actor, are the ones creating. Yeah. You are the ones creating and sustaining the industry. So build your social media. Use it for, uh, to get the word out for the amazing project that you're doing. Build that following and that tribe of people who are celebrating you. and work. But I would advise you, to stay away from building it for the purpose because you could put your energy there or you could put your energy somewhere else that will serve you as an artist. Yeah. Let the producers realize that if they begin to make decisions based on social media, the quality of their film will go down, their investors will no longer support them and they'll be out of a job. And if that takes two or three years for them to realize, fine. Or they could just listen to this podcast and quit doing it. <laughs> I'm, I mean, and I'm in the boat with them. I'm a producer and we've had discussions about mm. hiring people who have social media followings and not everyone agrees with me. But I'm the guy who's going to support and make the claim that good art at the end of the day sustains, not social media followings. Yeah. Yeah, it's sad that it, uh, it's, it's so often so numbers driven. <clears throat> it is. And I understand. Like I said, I work for a finance. I, I work on the, the money side. And I understand that. And it's important. We, we are, with everything we do, balancing art and business. And we have to have an understanding and yeah. an appreciation of the investor's dilemma. Yeah. The investor is putting in a tremendous amount of money that they have worked very hard to make, and they're putting it in. They want a certain 
a way to mitigate the risk. And one way to do that is by bringing in actors who have proven a certain box office worth and those kind of things. Totally fine. We see that in every other industry. Why is it not okay in our industry? You know, nobody's going to invest in any company without some sort of mitigation of risk. But having an understanding of that, all it does for me as an actor is bring it back to the importance of the work I'm doing. If they're investing time and money, I better bring my best. Yeah. So where should my focus be? On my best. Let them worry about how to market it. Let them worry about how to get it out there. Your job is to bring them more than what they ever imagined they could buy. And mm. that is your job. Focus on that, develop that, and become hungry for the things that help you do that. And if a million Instagram followers brings you into that space, okay, I'm just suspicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm listening to you speak about this. What's coming up for me is that um, we have a lot of work to do um, as artists, given that that type of thinking is predominant in this industry. Mm-hmm. And I'm not criticizing or judging people or the industry as a whole. I'm just saying it's not terribly supportive to making art with true integrity. Right. A lot of great art still happens. But I think each of us listening to this this interview um, has an opportunity here to step it up and take a leadership position right, right. on, and I'm, I don't mean leadership like, like, you know, um, go make a movie and cast your friends. Mm-hmm. I'm talking like spiritual leadership, like leadership, like this is what I stand for. Right. And these are my principles and my morals right. and my values. And I'm not going to waver when I'm, when people wave a check in front of my face or when somebody right. tells me I need to buy 10,000 Twitter followers. Right, 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 right. And it, it, it there's, it's not, I'm not making a case for naivete. I'm not making a case for um, the artist who wears all black and sits in a room alone. We have to do great work and share it with the world. And the way that works today a lot is through social media. And we, we have a structure of a business and industry that we need to understand. But we need to always recognize that the best way we serve that industry is by bringing our work. Yeah to that industry and we let them deal with all the stuff and they, they will. And executives in this industry have no problem saying it. I would say it to their face. I'm around a lot of them. Their job is, is to, it's a fear-based decision-making job and they're just hoping that you don't blow it for them. (laughs) Right? Right. And the thing is, that's what we are here to do. There's a thing I, I talk about sometimes, which is, I think it's very interesting. We identify almost every other art form by the artist's name. We'll look at a painting and go, that's a Pollock. We'll look at a sculpture and go, that's Michelangelo. We'll look at a song and go, that's classic Dylan. In every other art form, we, we recognize that the quality of the work is directly associated with the individual who created it. But with acting, we don't tend to do that. We don't go, yeah, that's a Cooper. We, we, we don't go, oh, that is classic, classic uh, Mathis. <laughs> Somehow we've separated ourselves from the work, and so we don't tend to bring ourselves to the work because it's not a Pollock. It's just a painting that some guy did because there was already a script, and he just said the words and stood where the director told him to stand, and the producers gave him the shot because he had Instagram followers. Nobody bought a Pollock because of his social media following. We understand this in other art forms. Why have we removed it from our work? Your work and the quality of your work, the professional reputation, the way you administer it, the character of the person you are, you bring into each character should come with the label of your name, mm. just like every other art piece we do. And if that's, if that's where we're coming from, they cannot take that away from you. That social media does not determine that. And so, like I said, the heartbreak for me when this unbelievable actor told me this was not that her agents told them that. I expect that of agents bless their heart, like we say in the South. The heartbreak came because she believed it. And so she has since, or was until that point, had been spending a certain amount of time trying to do what they told her to do. Mm. An agent, guys, is a lawyer who fell into this stuff. And I love them. They're great. And the great agents go to bat for you and do the things we don't do well. And I love it. But when they tell you those things, good Lord, man. I feel like they're in the matrix. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 And like, we're on the outside of it going like, Oh man, because in three years, it's, get them to it's, unplug. three years, it's not going to be social media. Eventually it's going to get back to the quality of your work. Yeah. Could you imagine if they told Brando like, dude, sorry, you don't have it. 
you don't have the followers on Instagram. Mm -hmm. You're amazing. You killed it in the room. You're obviously the best actor. You're perfect for every artistic need, but we're going with somebody else because they have Instagram. So yeah, let's let them do that for a couple years and we'll see where it gets them. I promise you. I'll put money right now. I'll go on record. Mm-hmm. that's not going to be a practice in a few yeah. years. And I think that's an opportunity for all of us to book the office, you know, right, work on right, building right. those relationships right. so that when they do realize plant the seeds, it's not going to work. They turn back and they go, Oh, you know, remember that guy, Ben, like <laughs> how's he doing with his social media these days? Oh, okay. Right, well, right. he's still, you know, all right. But, but like, we have, I we have, he was a great actor. We have two choices. We can dedicate our lives and our artistry and our administration to the things that are everlasting. The quality of my work, the service, the effects I left on people, my process, how dedicated I became to the work and my relationships and my community and my practice. Or we can dedicate our artistry and our life to things that are temporary. And you have that choice. And you can make decisions based on which one you're pursuing. My argument is that when we dedicate our lives to the things that are everlasting, we do better art, we establish a foundation for a career, not just a job, and things like social media and like every casting director telling you what you should and should not do and how your headshot should and should. This is all temporary. Why would we focus our energies there? Why would we dedicate our lives to that which is temporary and fleeting? Why would we not dedicate our lives to things that are lasting and impactful and and transcend all of that which is temporary and it sounds like like i get it but it actually affects the day-to-day decision making when i am making a decision i know i'm investing time in something that's temporary i have a relationship to that absolutely i stamp i I, you know i do mailings i i do all the things that i should do absolutely i i i'm on instagram i'm on i understand that raising awareness about urban confessional and things like that is how i can keep the momentum going but my relation to it is adjusted by the fact that I know it's temporary and I'm not going to be defined by that no matter what an agent tells me or a casting director tells me or a producer tells me. I have not invested my life in the things that are temporary. I'm investing my life in the things that are permanent, that are everlasting, which is the depth of my art, service to others, and a career, not just a job. I'm investing, like I said before, in cause, not in effect. And it's a paradigm shift, but it puts you back in control. Because the person who changes their behavior, who changes the trajectory of their career and their artistry because an agent told them they don't have enough Twitter followers, that person is shakable. That person is not built on a foundation. That's like the Jenga thing, right? And you pull the piece out. You pull out one piece out and their whole thing crumbles. Yeah. Because some agent told them you don't have enough Instagram. So they start compromising their body, their values. They put all of their focus and they're doing things to get the Instagram followers hoping to get some job. God forbid they get the job. Yeah. So before we uh, wrap, and this is amazing, by the way, I'm, I'm my noodles bacon. But before we wrap up um, and before we ask our final two questions, I'm curious to the actor that's listening to this out there who has, who feels like they have nothing. They have no money. They have no relationships. They live in a podunk, you know, crappy little mid- middle of the nothing town. Mm-hmm. What can they do right now here and now to take themselves to the next level? One of the, um, in, in my book, thought lozenge for artists, um, which is really just like an open where you want kind of read and let it melt into your head. I love it. I love it by the way. The world does not need another how to book. (laughs) Let's, let's try something else. One of the things that I, I wrote about is how we have put too much emphasis on resources and not enough emphasis on emphasis on our resourcefulness. And so that person who's sitting out in Nebraska or Valdosta, Georgia or whatever, and they have these dreams of uh, moving to L.A. or moving to New York or, or taking their artistry and sharing it with the world in a huge way, and you feel like you have nothing, what I'm telling you is that you are in the exact right place because it's from nothing that we turn in and realize that you have everything. You have all that you need right now. You can look and you can begin to write a one-man show and put it up in the streets. Just do what drives you, what wakes you up. Identify a problem that keeps you alive in the world and go fight for it. Go make art that addresses it. Go read plays, watch great films, stay inspired, go to museums. Art breeds art, life breeds life. Surround yourself with people who are uh, breathing and living and excited about the world. It doesn't matter if you're in Valdosta. It doesn't matter if you're in Los Angeles because I'm talking to the guy at Valdosta 
Valdosta State University right now or whatever. And he thinks that unless he's in L.A., no one will take him seriously. And I'm telling you, Neil LeBute started in Iowa or somewhere like this. Right. And there is not one path. In fact, Neil LeBute told me that there is not a single path. You can be here. You can be there. But you are going to uh, dedicate yourself to your work. Keep Keep the foundation in place and nothing can crumble you. Storms cannot muddy deep water. They will only muddy puddles. Storms come by and they blow shallow water out of the way. But a deep water storms don't even rustle. That's what you can do now. That does not take money. That does not take resources. That just takes you, your resourcefulness and your creativity. And then it doesn't matter where you are. People will come to you. Yeah, I was going to add from a purely practical standpoint, I would bet that that person who is sitting there right now going like, I have nothing, I can't go anywhere. If they take the time to really cultivate those deep waters and develop that, things will happen three months, six months, nine months, 24 months down the line that they can't even imagine right now, all because they're building that foundation. Right, right. We're we're in a Polaroid world where it's like snapshot, snapshot, snapshot. I want it now, you know, quickly develop it, take it, develop it quickly and move on. That, that, That actually isn't art. And the, I would tell you, if you're not living in Los Angeles or whatever, and you're operating under this idea and I, I know people disagree with me, but if you're operating under the idea that you've got to be young and hot to do this, this isn't true at all. This is not true at all. There are actors. I have a, a dear friend who just booked his first huge job. He's probably 50. He's wow. a blue collar actor. He's got a house. He's put his kids through school. You know, it, 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 there is not actually, that is a myth. I believe, sure, you know, yeah, the hot, the hot person, they get certain jobs, of course, but so does every, look. <laughs> Just anything that is making you less of an artist, you have to ignore. And you have to ask the question, who told you that? Yeah. <laughs> and why did you choose to believe them? Wow, that is brilliant. Who told you that and why did you choose to believe them? Right. I think there's no more important question that an artist could ask themselves and the other people around them that are trying to tell them right. what to do. Right, right, yeah. right. Wow, that's brilliant. Um, gosh, Ben, there's a lot I still want to talk about, but we're, we're out of time here. Um, if people, well, let me start with our questions because I do want to make sure that people can find you online and learn oh, yeah. much more about the work and the things that we didn't have a chance to really go deep into, like your one man show and right. things like that. Uh, but final two questions, <clears throat> did this career or this path choose you or did you choose it? It was a bologna sandwich. <laughs> Kindergarten. <laughs> I lied. I ate bologna for kinder- before I went to kindergarten, first day of school. I'll never forget. They sat me down on the concrete on the, after we all got off the bus, and I went to half day, and I was in the afternoon, so I ate lunch before I came to school. And they went down the line, and they said, what did you have for lunch? What did you have for lunch? They, you they have for lunch? The, the, the teachers, teachers went okay. down the line. What did you have for lunch? And everybody said peanut butter and jelly. Everybody. And I don't, I didn't have peanut butter and jelly, I had bologna and I just felt like a complete loser really. And so when they got to me, I lied. That's the first lie I remember telling. And I went, I said, peanut butter. I knew damn well I had bologna, <laughs> right? Wow. And I, I, I remember that moment because that moment was the first time I was like, this is not true. <laughs> I just lied right? and I knew that was wrong. And from that point, I have been on a search for truth and Wow. The, the play that I remember in elementary school, we did a little thing where we were uh, 10 little Indians or whatever it was. I don't remember. And I wanted to be, I wanted to be in all of it. I wanted to be in all of it because all of that was true. And I wanted to tell that truth. And at least that's how I thought at the time. And from kindergarten. And then in uh, fifth grade, I was Santa Claus. Fourth grade, I was Santa Claus in the school play. Fifth grade. And one day after playing Santa Claus, a little kid ran up to me. I'm in fourth grade, right? Fifth grade, whatever. He ran up to me and I was ready, so ready to take my costume off, but I kept it on because I wanted him to believe I was Santa Claus. And he did. Wow. And so I, I don't know that I ever got in this to become a movie star. I, I got in this because the, the search for that type of truth keeps me awake and always has. So I don't know if it found me or we met at some dance and asked each other to dance. Hmm. That might be it. Wow. I, I, I love that. That brings up a whole nother conversation. I'll ask you about after we stop recording here. (laughs) Um, uh, the second question, and we may have already answered this, but I, I'm curious to hear how you kind of condense it down. Um, what one nugget of wisdom would you 
offer to somebody walking this path alongside you, behind you, ahead of you, wherever they are, if you could offer one nugget of wisdom to them, what would that nugget be? Okay. We've said a lot of it already, but I would say before you can offer someone a nugget of wisdom, they have to value wisdom. And above everything else that this industry is selling you, above everything else that you think you can achieve with fame or money or stardom, you better value wisdom the most. And put yourself on a path for artistic wisdom, for financial wisdom, for relational wisdom. And that, I believe, actually is the thing that I would offer anybody coming out here to LA and and begin to discern what you sense is wise and what isn't so that when someone sells you their bill of goods or sells you that you need Instagram or whatever it is, that you are grounded in a foundation that keeps you centered and focused on creation, not on destruction and not on management of effects. Hmm. How would you define wisdom? Um, I, I don't know. I, I guess wisdom is anything that takes me into a space where courage is required. Wow. I love that. That's, that is another noodle bake. <laughs> My noodles just burned. I think wisdom also <laughs> always leads us into relationships. Somebody asked me once to think of the wisest person I know. And, um, then they asked, is that the richest person, you know, is that the most talented person, you know, is that the most beautiful person, you know, and it might be, but then they asked, is the wisest person you know, do they have fruitful relationships in their lives? And I went, yeah. The wisest people I know, their wisdom is manifest in the way they treat others and in their life and in their relationships. They may be beautiful, they may be rich, but for me personally, that's not the case. Well, actually it is. She's very beautiful. and But the, that's not where her wisdom is in her right. looks. Her wisdom right. is not in her money. Her wisdom is not, her wisdom is in how she treats other people. Mm. And that we understand also causatively and practically is what careers are built on. Everyone says this is about relationships. Well, wisdom is about relationships. Hmm. So value it. Yeah. Seek it and yeah. come to this city with it. We need more of it. Yeah. This journey is about other people. Life to death. It's about other people. Yep. Um, wow, Ben, thank you so much. If people want to find out more about you, you're on Twitter, you're on Instagram, you've got a great uh, couple of websites on uh, yeah, the I do. Urban Confessional Movement. Urban Confessional, yeah. you can go to uh, urbanconfessional.org and you can find us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Um, for me, you can go to benjaminmathis.com and Mathis is M-A-T-H-E-S and you can from there go to anywhere else for the acting studio that I run. You can go to crashacting.com. It's an unbelievable community of artists and um there we go that's about it awesome awesome it looks great did you say where your what your twitter handle is and everything? twitter is at bc mathis um uh, and all that uh you can go even you can buy the books you can you can check out the books at crashbooks.com yeah um and i'll make sure i get those to you cool we'll make sure we have a, a list of all those links and websites on our on our website in the show notes and just on a side note um you very generously sent me a copy of each of your books and they're fantastic oh thanks and i just want our listeners to know that uh it's definitely worth checking out they're really that. really great because Thank they you. come from the right place and that is a place of service a place of valuing other people and a place of being present to the moment and that's that's really all it's about yeah, That's it is. all it is. And I, I do listen to this podcast and I have heard you say over and over um, the thing you value most about it is whether or not or whether it's going to be in service to the listeners. And and that is such an amazing, that's why I listen to the podcast <laughs> because <laughs> it's coming from such an unbelievable cool. place. And you guys are doing such great work and it's so postured towards bettering the people that are listening. And it's not about you at all. And as even as we've been sitting here, I'm going, you, you just totally, and you guys should see this guy. He's ripped. I mean, he's like, he's got this long hair and a beard. He's like this, you know, thing. and he's just totally made it all about me and therefore hopefully made it all about you. And, and that's why people need to be listening to what you guys are doing. Hey folks, welcome back from the final part of, of Ben's interview. I, you know, I gotta say this this interview, you're right, Trevor, like huge paradigm shift. This is contributing to what I was talking about earlier in the episode where I was like, hashtag transition. <laughs> because I, while, while all that other stuff is going on in my life, I, it's like I needed this. 
you know, mm-hmm. I needed this and, and it may, it may be causing both of us to, you know, uh, turn, turn the wheels a bit, a bit more, but I think it's great. You and mean turn the axle, little nod to Ben there. Yeah, sorry. I, I messed up. <laughs> I, I, I messed up. You can you can edit me out of uh, all 224 episodes of the no, podcast. No. Uh, <laughs> bye-bye. Go. Go, AJ. Where are you going? Um, anyway, uh, let's get out of here. What's your, uh, okay. what's your pick of the week? So my pick of the week, uh, because we're talking about such cheery things, my pick of the week is a book called... <laughs> It's called the sixths. The 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 sixths. I always have trouble with that word. The sixths extinction by a woman named Elizabeth Colbert, and she was actually so it's at, a comedy. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, actually, it's it's funny you say that because it actually is written brilliantly. It is. She somehow takes this heavy um, thing, which is essentially that we are in the midst of, of you know right now in the what they're calling the Anthropocene, which is the the age of man, the age of human beings. We're in the midst of a sixth extinction. There have been five massive extinctions in the history of the planet, uh, and many smaller ones as well. But during these five big extinctions, uh, almost all life on the planet like disappeared. Like it came very ridiculously close to being like completely wiped out. And uh, we're in the midst of the newest one. And basically, she says, in this one, like the the rate of species loss and the acidifying oceans and things like that, like we are the asteroid, like the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs, like we are the asteroid, except we're actually doing it faster than it, yes. it's been done in the past. Go humans. So very Efficiency. heavy, very, yeah, very heavy topic, but actually really entertainingly written and fun. And she, she somehow makes it not this. I mean, obviously it's very urgent, but she she makes it like an interesting read. It's, it's a great, um, it's a great read. And like I said, she was one of the, the panelists and speakers at the climate reality training. So I got to meet her in Florida. Um, so it's doubly cool for me to be reading this book. Uh, highly recommended if you are interested at all in the future of the humanity and the planet. Um, check it out: the sixth extinction by Elizabeth Colbert. And your pick of the week. I'm not interested. You're, you're not. I know. No, <laughs> nobody is. Nobody. Is. <laughs> oh, stop it! Uh, your your uh, pick of the week is something I've been following. I'm so excited about this. Yeah. So it's a, it's a bit sort of a combination of my pick of the week slash listener slash team pick of the week. Um, but we, we've got all these awesome movements happening, uh, in, in part because of, but also in, in partnership with the podcast, you know, we've got the ABC meetings, ABC meetups, always be creating meetups. We've got the artists doing something, which is still going very, very strong. You can still join that Facebook group and you can find information, um, in past show notes and we'll probably put a link in these show notes and you can find it on the membership. And, um, Jasmine Bristow, uh, who you may have heard of before, wrote this awesome article actually recently for Ms. and the Biz. And I want to include that in the show notes as well because you should read this article. It's really great. It's about essentially overcoming creative stagnation or uh, quote unquote writer's block, which can happen in, you know, obviously any creative pursuit. And out of that, she was inspired by herself to uh, start this seven day challenge, which she's basically going to, to continue in seven day chunks or weekly chunks indefinitely. Um, and it's called artists creating daily, another, uh, TLA three letter acronym, (laughs) ACD, uh, artists creating daily. So essentially it's, it, it reminds me of what I was doing and, uh, and often go back to with my quote unquote morning pages, you know, back, uh, I, back when I was in New York, uh, I, I had that journal where every day I would just get up and I would create something where I would either draw a picture yeah. or, or, or write a poem or write a story or something like that. And it was, it was really great. It felt, felt good to wake up and, and, and create something. So <clears throat> it's about creating a daily practice to create something and make it perfectly imperfect and not be attached to what it looks like. Um, and, uh, she's created a, a Facebook page for it and, um, and she's going to be posting, you know, th- um, prompts and creative ideas and stuff like that. So all that is, uh, is on the links in the show notes of, uh, this episode. Uh, and is, is part of the requirement, I mean, maybe this doesn't require, but is, is sharing or shipping your creations, uh, part of the idea? Yes. Yes. So, so the... You don't have to, but the the Facebook 
presence that she's creating is all in an effort to allow people to share what they are, what they are creating as a way of just, you know, getting, getting over any sort of like conversation you might have about like how quote unquote good it is. Right. And then like, yeah, like a safe space too, where people are all kind of on board with that idea. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm sorry. I keep saying uh, quote unquote, I just realized I said it like four (laughs) times. It's very strange. Very strange. It's like the new hashtag. Quote unquote, quote unquote transition. Quote unquote hashtag transition. What? I don't even know anymore. Uh, All right. Well, that is uh, the sixth extinction by Elizabeth Colbert and uh, the Facebook group Artists Creating Daily. Now, is that a private group or can people, can anybody find it and join it? Right now, it's a page uh, because she's sort of working on what the, you know, the actual mechanics are going to look like. Um, So, yes, anyone can can in this case like it awesome all right well that's all we got today's episode of inside acting was produced and co-hosted by me trevor agat and you aj meyer jen levin is our production coordinator gadali gubrek is our marketing and web directed director easy for me to say deborah smith is our community manager and trevor agat that's me edited and mixed today's episode and composed the theme and interview music you can sign up for our weekly email dispatch and listen to all of our recent episodes at our website, InsideActing.net. You can also find us on iTunes, and your five-star <laughs> reviews are hugely appreciated. <laughs> Subtle, man. Special thanks to our sponsors, Rehearsal Pro and VOtogogo.com, and thanks to you, our listeners. You guys keep this thing going, and if you love it, if you love Inside Acting, and you want to maximize its value in your life and career and support the continued production of this here podcast, sign up as a monthly member to get some pretty cool perks like access to our membership message board, cool freebies. We've always got stuff coming. Um, we're actually in talks with the Inner Image guys to provide a series of mini courses uh, for the membership, which is going to be awesome. If you've ever seen their work, you know that the quality of it's pretty top notch. So that's coming uh invites to exclusive member meetups and a whole lot more just visit insideacting.net and click on the membership tab yes uh well that is it for episode 224 of inside acting thank you for listening we'll see you next time and in the meantime find the marriage of your creativity and your activism